0: Talking more, yeah. Talking. do you guys are talking. We're talking. Oh, really? About, a lot of talkers. I would agree with that. This <laughs> podcast is called Erase the Filter. Erase the filter. Erase the filter.
1: I was asked by the museum here in Nelson to do a sound art installation, and I decided to make a piece involving uh, wooden records so the life rings in a tree are kind of like the grooves in a record.
0: Gregor Ash also known as DJ Olive is an electronic and ambient musician as well as a visual artist living in the mountains of British Columbia, Canada. He helped create a fresh experimental music and art scene in the early 90s in Brooklyn, New York, forming an art collective called La La Landia, and performing in the electronic and dance music scenes. So prior to moving to the small town of Nelson, British Columbia in the late 2000s, his 2018 sound art installation called Listening to Fur at the Touchstones Nelson Museum of Art and History may have seemed unlikely. But after spending time working on a portable sawmill and constructing with the native woods of his adopted home area, Olive was inspired to consider the life rings of fir trees as wooden records, going so far as playing slices of these trees on old turntables to see what they sounded like. The project evolved into a full sound art installation that would include ambient music from early in his career. Erase the Filter contributor Dave Bellard caught up with Olive to dig a little deeper into this project. Here's DJ Olive.
1: Okay, so I was invited here in Nelson by the Touchstones Museum to do a sound art installation. And I proposed an omnisensorial piece, and they said, Great. So um, I was trying, I've been, when I first got here to Canada, I had to work on a portable sawmill. And one of the things I noticed was that when you look at the end of a log, you see the life rings of the tree. And the life rings kind of look like the rings, the, the grooves in a record. So I, I this was like seven years ago that I had this idea to make these wooden records. So I managed to get my buddy with a sawmill to slice the log standing up hmm. on the mill. So basically, cutting little cookie slices off the log, and then using a wire brush attachment on a grinder. I kind of raised the grain along uh, the outside of, of these record shapes and kind of formed them into records that where the grain was like really revealed on both sides and I made about a hundred of those and put them hung them in this gallery space and then uh, used a projection of water, bubbling water and I also filmed the these wooden records up really close with a macro really high quality macro lens so that uh, that was projected three giant projections of the kind of crane of these records rolling past
2: these videos the videos were projected um with these super close-up uh sort of journeys along the grooves of the re- of the wooden records so
1: I spent days, like, putting these records on uh, an old turntable I have that goes 16 RPMs. And then uh, with a, a GoPro and a macro I, attachment, I, I sort of, you know, filmed all the records. But just the grooves, like, so close in. You can't see anything but the grooves and uh yeah projected a sort of uh three different sequences of of like one minute clips so uh that's that i projected those on on kind of like black cloth yeah i mean it's the kind of thing you have to go inside of it's a omnisensorial speed space and it smells like fur there's all these fur records uh you can touch them there's projections of the grooves so there's Mm -hmm. kind of like the macro um but it's really like a technorganic garden that you can go in and sit down i made a big bench which is kind of like a raft in the middle of the room out of big slabs of wood and then you can sit there and hang out and just kind of uh, drift off thinking about whatever it is you need to think about and uh the listening to fur is really just a vehicle for you to do that it's it's like a garden a space for you to just check out for a little bit
2: you did try to listen to the records you tried to play them actually on a record player right yeah i thought that
1: might be cool so uh, i put some of the ones where i really raised the grain i i put those on the old turntable and played them at different speeds and then used effects and but uh, it's very industrial sounding like <laughs> they all basically sounded the same. I tried to slow it down in the computer and use max patches to make it into something but in the end I found it um, it makes for a really good short video mm-hmm. that you might watch but for this piece I I wanted the viewer to really be able to go inside this garden so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found a, a piece of music I'd been working on for about six years, uh, a collection of ambient tracks. It was going to be my new sleeping pill, but um, it just worked perfect for this and as the soundtrack. So that's, that's, I played that back through
2: some really nice sound equipment. What, um, and what inspired you uh, first to, to, to make this installation?
1: Um, just, I worked on a sawmill when I first got here to Canada, a small portable sawmill, and just you know, sitting around on breaks, looking at the ends of the logs, and thinking about life and sort of rings on tree, life rings on trees as sort of metaphor for our own lives, and that being looking like a record, and the record is kind of like the rings of our memories and all this kind of stuff. I just found it like really resonating to me as a DJ and someone that has a bit of Mm -hmm. a fetish for vinyl. Um, so I had been for eight years trying to find a way to, to kind of make these records and see if it would work because when you cut the log that way, it tends to Mm -hmm. check and break because you're not, you're sort of cutting it across the grain. So, um, they, they can fracture really easy so there, there was a lot of technical issues that I came up against and that was also exciting and fun and I hope to make a lot more I have a whole new process of how to do it
2: it seems an interesting really interesting way of incorporating your your environment too because you now live you live in the in the wilds of, of British Columbia up in Canada right yeah
0: in the mountains. DJ Olive's ambient work includes three collections of tracks that he calls Sleeping Pills. These mixes span an hour each and were created to act as the title suggests to help the listener relax into a deep meditative sleep.
1: I'd have to go back to the early 90s when I was collecting a lot of records, mostly white label techno records that uh, would have on the B side an ambient track, a sort of beatless track, um, and uh, over the years, I collected quite a lot of these, and they were really influential to my own production where, and this is something that would happen when uh, we was in the studio for a while, we work really hard on a bunch of beats where you have like two measures of music looping and you're moving a kick drum around for an hour and a half and then the snare drum. And after just hearing the beats for two days like that, it was really nice to just kick back and work on the ambient track for about four hours. So um, we felt this was kind of part of the process, too. The, the dance music had a kind of flip side, which was the extreme chill out room. And we experienced that in 94 in a few Sort of squat parties in Berlin, uh, where this kind of music was played in a in a chill out room, and it had a kind of hypnotic effect. So, uh, when September eleventh happened in New York City, a lot of my friends couldn't sleep very well, and uh, we were constantly waking up in the middle of the night because there were a lot of sirens and chats and just weird noises, and everybody was a bit traumatized. So. I put together a bunch of these tracks I'd made that were very neutral ambient tracks and made an hour long mix I called Sleep for people to put on when at night maybe on repeat at an extremely low volume so you could play it so it was almost not audible and then when you'd wake up in the middle of the night because a jet went by or a siren you could uh you you had this company, almost like a dog lying in the corner, just kind of calming you with a... not overly happy and not, like, industrial doom, but some kind of neutral tones that, um... you know, made you feel like you had company or it's kind of like calming medicine. Uh, so that mix I took on my first tour in Australia and, uh young guy at the time, Lawrence English, who started the label Room 40. I gave him a copy and he just loved it. He completely flipped out and wanted to put it out and I thought that would be a good place to put it out. He also said he put it on some nice packaging. So when I talked to him about that, I I agreed as long as he would release two more of these sleeping pills over the next bunch of years. And. Yeah, so then I did that. I released uh, Bowie. I actually released, released Bowie first with him and then Sleep. He did such a good job with that that I released Sleep finally, which had just been a CDR mix that I made. And then in 2008, I was invited by the Whitney Museum to do an installation there. And um, I did a piece around this kind of sleeping project with it a uh, handmade sort of uh, triage tent and cots and an hour-long mix hmm. I call it triage. And so those are the three sleeping pills that were on room 40, and I was kind of working on a new ambient project. I wasn't going to call it a sleeping pill, but it was similar kind of tracks I've been working on that uh, came together for the soundtrack of listening to That's
0: great. In 2012, Olive collected all of the tracks from the Sleeping Pill mixes and remastered them, along with a collection of previously unreleased tracks, for an incredibly rich four-hour ambient release called Balm.
1: When I got up here... It took me a while, but I finally teamed up with some people and put together a pretty nice studio and had everything plugged in for the first time since I've been up in Canada. All my outboard gear, and I was able to do analog mixes. We had a, a decent TOFT console. Um, so I went back. I decided, well, one of the problems with these sleeping pills is they're an hour long they're made up of 10 to 12 separate tracks but I wanted them to be an hour long track when I released them so you and they would get quieter and quieter so you couldn't really ID yourself through it couldn't skip to the next track so some people you know they'd had it for years but they would always fall asleep and they never even Mm -hmm. heard the end of the album And I kind of liked that concept. But the problem was it it was... um, I wanted them to be available as separate tracks in this new world of the digital where uh, records don't really matter. matter. These tracks are off by themselves just flying around uh, on streaming sites. I mean, even people who download a whole album will have them... In alphabetical Mm -hmm. order or something like that. So, um, So I had this idea to take all the tracks from all three sleeping pills plus tracks that I wanted to use but didn't end up getting on. It was easily, you know, folders full of tracks that didn't almost made it on these other sleeping pills. So I remastered all of those tracks individually. And made, uh, I think it's 38-track release. I think it's four hours of music, I forget.
2: Yeah, it's epic. It's it's, it's sprawling. Um, so it's basically my collection of ambient works over
1: the past 20 years. And uh, one of those tracks from Bomb, one of the unreleased tracks, is on fur, listening to fur, so... Um, that's a track called Titty Kakka Don that I did with with Ignacio aka once 11 back in hmm. 96. So that that's on the'
2: it's great. To it's firm. sort of like a circling back to, to the old to the old roots.
0: Yeah. Ambient music is only one part of DJ Olive's diverse output and tastes. From performing with bands to building beats in the studio, A wide variety of styles intersect and influence all of his work.
1: I think of music like industrial design. That you you can work in a lot of different styles as long as they have a proper place to be used. Yeah, Uh, the right time, the right place. You don't play ambient music at the drum and bass party. Right. You don't play drum and bass at the ambient party. That's right. You know, but it's a blast to work in these. You know it's 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 really fun to be in the studio working on beats but then you you get you feel like you've been in the studio and haven't talked to anyone then you get a call to come out and jam and then Mm -hmm. you know you take the turntables and you play with like a band on stage it's completely different Mm -hmm. it's not nothing nothing about the music is something i'd want to record but it's a blast to play it's so far out of my comfort zone that i find it really challenging and Um, that makes me go back and work on my vinyl scores a little bit to make something that I can use in those situations Mm -hmm. Um, so these experiences feed each other yeah they feed each other they're not mutually exclusive they're just part of um, you know me finding different ways to express myself that I feel are valid because at first when I first tried to make my first solo record Bodega I uh, got very involved in, like, trying to make the ultimate record. Hmm. Uh, I got to put all my ideas in here, um, this idea and that idea. And you know what? They started canceling each other out because a record is only an hour. How many moods are you in in one hour?
2: Yeah. As a listener,
1: you're basically in one. Mm -hmm. You're in a mood, and that's when you choose, you know? And when that's I a, choose, that's a
2: really good point because when you hear when you hear music, when you hear somebody's album, who if they try to cram too many different feelings or, or styles of music, it inevitably, unless it's like I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but inevitably they don't work. Yeah, it starts to
1: feel like a compilation, and I find
2: myself on albums like that.
1: I end up hitting the next yeah. ID. Yeah. I'll start on track four. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Whereas uh, the albums I really love and would play a lot really were kind of like
2: one mood. Yeah.
0: DJ Olive Online at djolive.com. Link's in the show post. Like I'm going, who's this guy? Erase the filter. Toronto, Ontario, second cup coffee. Corner of Queen and John. Taking a break. Getting ready to go to Graffiti Alley. Graffiti Alley, Toronto, um, it's, a, it's an alley off uh, Spadane, south of Queen, um, looks like about, I don't know, it's maybe a half dozen or more blocks of this alley, it's covered in street art, everywhere, walls, doors, garbage cans, everything is just covered in graffiti, according to Bailey, a waiter this morning at Sunset Grill. Um, street artists used to use this as their canvas anyway, and at some point the city turned a blind eye, I don't know, made it legal, legitimized it. Now it's a tourist attraction called Graffiti Alley. It's got to be a hundred people here taking pictures, walking through, looking at the art. And it's ever-changing, evolving, it's awesome. Graffiti Alley in Toronto. This is Jason Mundock. Thanks for listening to Erase the Filter. Show notes can be found at erasethefilter.com. And if you have feedback about the show, feel free to email me at jmundock, J-M-U-N-D-O-K, at gmail.com. And always remember, open your mind, be yourself, Erase the Filter.